For thousands of years, alchemists had attempted to create a legendary creature known as the homunculus. The belief was that under the right circumstances, miniature humanoid creatures could be grown. The means of achieving such a creation was left to all manner of substances and combinations, and many prominent alchemists, of course, claimed success. One of the earliest alchemists, Zosimos of Panopolis, described how an artificial man could be created by the use of dragon's bones, blood, and of course, the philosopher's stone. Later, in the 15th century, Swiss alchemist and physician Paracelsus would also claim to know the ideal combination for growing homunculi, with his essential ingredient being the arcanum of human blood. Even a Dr. Burrell, royal physician to King Louis XVI of France, wrote that he had used distilled human blood for his homunculus, resulting in a bizarre creature that would emit red beams of light. Whatever the recipe, the homunculus was certainly believed to be an achievable alchemical practice. However, by the 18th century, alchemy had fallen into disrepute, and the introduction of modern empirical chemistry would leave the legend of the homunculus hidden in the dark corners of forgotten alchemist labs. But could there have been some kind of esoteric knowledge linked to this strange tale of creating miniature creatures? For creating artificial life? Join us tonight on Into the Portal for part two of the lore of the homunculus. everyone, and welcome back into the portal. My name's Andrew McKay. And I'm Amber Ray. And we are coming at you with part two of episode three, mm-hmm. more of the homunculus. Yeah. Yeah. So we're excited about this. We got an awesome interview coming up for you guys yeah. as well. Just to recap, um, the last part of episode um, three, part one, we discussed a little bit of um, different forms of esoteric knowledge. Yeah. Um, the idea of creating life uh, from matter in non-typical or artificial ways. Strange ways of creating life. Indeed. Um, as well, the idea of ancient cultures having different knowledge that perhaps we don't have access to at this particular moment. Yeah, that's the that's that's super interesting to me. That's that's something that we yeah we we left off on that, but that really gets my juices mm-hmm. flowing. Yes, and as well, we did uh, tantalize you guys with a few tidbits about Paracelsus. And yeah, and we mentioned that we are going to be bringing some more details regarding Freemasonry and Rosicrucianism as it relates to the homunculus and alchemy in general. So yeah, um, we're going to kick it off with a prominent alchemist that we didn't even touch on last time, and that would be the Count of Saint-Germain. Yeah, so I mean, here's the thing. The Count of Saint-Germain is this super mysterious character throughout history, and he deserves his own full episode. And there are podcasts out there that have full one, two, three, four parts of this guy. And uh, Astonishing Legends is one of them. Uh, Go check it out if uh, for more details specifically on the Count of Saint Germain. But we wanted to bring him up briefly because. You know, it's unclear whether or not he was a real person or not, Mm -hmm. but um, super interesting in terms of alchemy because this was a man who supposedly lived hundreds and hundreds of years. He achieved the Philosopher's Stone or Elixir of Life. It is reported that he did have, yes, this Elixir of Life, um, definitely described as a true Renaissance man and a genius of his time. Mm -hmm. Um, of prominent um, birth as well. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. Even though that that is highly disputed, it isn't very it is. clear it as is. to what those origins are. Yeah. So, I mean, as the story goes, he possibly could be one of the, the youngest son of the Transylvanian Prince Rakotsi II. Uh, hmm. It's up in the air. But, yeah, the reason we wanted to bring up the count, though, is, yeah, because... He isn't directly related to the stories of the homunculus, but definitely embedded into the world of alchemy. Mm-hmm. And we just thought that it definitely like kind of lend it, lends a little bit more legitimacy to alchemy in general in terms of the prominent people that wrote about this guy or that had contact with Saint Germain, one of them being like Voltaire and yeah. who was a French fl- writer, obviously. Various kings and courts around Europe that he yeah. was involved with, um, including, yeah, like the the Holy Roman Empire, I believe he was 
Or was it Germany by that point? No. Well, I mean, he showed up in all kinds of places. He, he showed really up. Did. He appeared in the French court around 1748. Oh, yes. He was mm-hmm. employed uh, by King Louis the Fifteenth, I believe it was, in 1749, and he was involved in diplomatic missions and things like that. You know, along the same around the same time, he wrote and before, performed symphonies in London, and you know, he was friends with uh, Prince Charles uh, of seemingly inhuman in the way that he had so much knowledge. It's really, he retained boundless knowledge in all subjects, including alchemy. And it was reported that he could grow diamonds or he could fix them, fix the imperfections in them. Right. As well, he is reported to exactly, yeah, the elixir of life, um, as well as many other accomplishments, definitely. Um, Yeah, like he, he showed up in, I can't remember exactly where it was. I think I mixed it up in my notes here, but he showed up somewhere in Europe when he supposedly was 88 years old, but he looked as if he was in his twenties, according to people at like this party that he showed up at, right? (laughs) And this is just a reoccurring thing over and over. And so, yeah, this just ties directly into the idea of, yeah, ancient knowledge, esoteric knowledge. What, what, what could he have known that other people didn't that was allowing him to live this long Very or strange. whatever, right? So, yeah, and then he did claim that he was immortal, hey? Yeah. And there was, um, or the other explanation where he experienced several rebirths throughout time and that he was the embodiment of Francis Bacon, it's been yeah, rumored, as well as, the one. these are a few more outlandish claims that I've heard, but mm-hmm. also Christopher Columbus, Merlin the Magician from the sort of tales of King Arthur. Yeah, that's probably the most outlandish. And it probably, well, actually no, because this next one is okay. a little bit more. <laughs> Let's hear it. Um, yeah, there's rumors that apparently he was Joseph, uh, foster father of Jesus. <laughs> foster so, father, stepfather. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not, yeah. Yeah, I don't I wouldn't really I don't, put uh, any credibility with that, yeah, but no. it's definitely interesting, hey, how he seems to get around throughout history. Yeah, very interesting. And the, the Francis Bacon connection, possibly, that some people, yeah, thought that he was Francis Bacon, that's sort of a connection to alchemy and the homunculus in the sense that Francis Bacon, in terms of alchemy, he's known for... I mean, he's known as sort of one of the fathers of empirical chemistry and the father mm-hmm. of science, for sure. Not alchemy, per se, but he was willing to give alchemy a fair shot. And he was interested in, you know, the physical, empirical aspects of alchemy in the same way that he would be interested in the empirical aspects of chemistry, mm-hmm. but also in the metaphysical. So that ties into mm. sort of like the Gehong, uh, Eastern philosophies on mm. alchemy and things like that, spiritual even, ties uh, to alchemy. Neoplatonism. Neoplatonism, well. definitely. So those are sort of some interesting connections to the world of alchemy. And he, he thought that there was le- legitimacy to a lot of it. Um, not necessarily the creation of the homunculus. I could not find any specifics uh, from Francis no. Bacon, but it's kind of cool. And either with St. Germain in particular, he never claimed to have produced a homunculus. No. There isn't any accounts that claim that he had from uh, other sources. Um, but it is interesting because he does have all these connections, right, to alchemy and then also two prominent um, secret organizations such as That's right. the Rosicrucians and as well Freemasons, which right. both we've talked about prominence or sorry, yeah, prominent alchemists in the first part of the episode, um, including Kufstein, Count Kufstein and Abe Jeloni. Right. Which were rumored to be Freemasons and um, Jeloni himself, he was a Rosicrucian. But it's interesting because another one of the uh, supposed, um, uh, one of his inca- er, incarnations or whatever you want to call it, um, this guy, Max Heindel, he was a Rosicrucian. And he wrote in the 18th century that the Count of St. Germain was actually Christian Rosicruz. Really? Which was the head of the Rosicrucian order. Right. Yeah. So another interesting. Really, really strange one, eh? Very. And of again. course, that's unconfirmed. And again, but yeah, but yeah the, the possible connection is really lore. interesting because obviously these groups, yeah, the Freemasons and things like that, they're notoriously, yeah. you know, it's it's sort of ubiquitous that people think that they hold, you know, strange knowledge that people might exactly that mainstream doesn't. Well, have it access all started to. in 1614, right? With yeah. that letter of the Rosy Cross, and they did claim to have. Um, Secret, a secret society, an anonymous society of highly intelligent and powerful members that did have this esoteric knowledge about the universe. Right. And so that's sort of been continued. Um, Rosicrucianism to this day doesn't really flourish, but under Freemasonry, it does. Yeah. So if you... Apparently, and we will get into that a little bit with our interview with Travis J. Dow. Yeah, is, he talks about Rosicrucianism exactly. a little bit. And, and like touches on it. Touches he doesn't, on it. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't claim to be an expert in the subject, <laughs> but very interesting what he has to say. So. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, why don't we give a little bit more, because we left off, too, with Paracelsus, so we can kind of uh, 
kind of maybe recap a bit of that because he that that kind of, he was he was one of the main ones and more recent alchemists and prominent alchemists that you know claimed to have a recipe for a homun- for homunculi mm-hmm. and and he was really like Travis will say in the interview he was just a super pivotal figure yeah. there is a definitive pre and post paracelsus time yeah, very in history much so. is how very he describes so. it yeah so this is a guy that was considered an authority in science and medicine so we can take him as like you know a legitimate person um that pursued these things that were incredible but then as well he did go into these sort of mysterious fringe areas such as alchemy and yeah. he did claim to have a few recipes for homunculi which is very fascinating super fascinating yes so we reached out to Travis from the History of Alchemy podcast to get some more details on mm-hmm. alchemy in general and the background and all this and obviously on the homunculus. So let's get into that right now. Let's do it. How's it going, man? Thanks so much for being here to talk about the homunculus. Yeah, it's a great topic. Um, so, I mean, like Amber's going to kick it off. She's, she's the one with some of the real gnarly questions for you, I think. Yeah, I, I heard your guys' first part, so I know I know you did your homework, and I know I'm not going to shock you if I – like, yeah. probably the listeners – I mean, I hope your listeners heard the first part first and now this part. So if you say things like putrid semen, <laughs> no one's going to be like, oh, 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 oh clutch yeah. my pearls. No, like, that's where we're going tonight, right? Like, I think I, think, uh, I heard your first part, like, like yeah, okay. I'm not going to be able to shock you. Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be a disgusting episode. And it's better to just, like, say that up front, I, I feel. Yeah. <laughs> right? Definitely. <laughs> definitely. So, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, we definitely uh, came across yeah. some recipes that were sort of like... Yeah, the first one was Paracelsus's recipe, I think, is what we came across. Mm-hmm. Um, there were several, though. We were reading through Franz Hartmann's, like, Life and Teachings of Paracelsus. Yeah, yeah. And anyways, yeah. I just thought he was an interesting character to sort of, like, jump off the episode or the interview with, I should say. Um, yeah, and just, like, what your take is on Paracelsus and maybe just, like, how he contributed to these sort of alchemical notions of the homunculus, per se, or what your take on that would be. Yeah, uh, yeah. Paracelsus is also kind of one of my favorite figures in alchemy, and I, I didn't know a whole lot of. I, well, honestly, I'd never really heard of him um, uh, before. I kind of researched alchemy, and I and I found out that um, you have kind of certain stages of alchemy, I guess, or eras of alchemy, I'd say. But there's definitely a pre-Paracelsus and post-Paracelsus. Like, he was that important. And even his name is... I don't know if you said his whole name or not. I don't remember. But it's like oh, something God. like... I don't no. tried, something no. bombastic von Hohenheim. You know, like von Hohenheim. <laughs> that's a full metal alchemist, by the way. But it's like, it's like 10 names. And, it like, and bombastic is literally in there. I'm not just, like, making up words. Bombastic is one of his names. And that's- Paracelsus means, you know, better than, like, greater than Celsius. Like, right. yeah. he's... You know, the guy definitely had an ego and he might have so i guess the thing is is that his ego was kind of deserved because after him every like everybody kind of looks at alchemy through paracelsus's lens either they even if they say he was a quack and i hate paracelsus and everything he said was 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 bs or whatever like they still have to refer to him and mention him because he was that big of a figure so he um i mean yeah so i mean so he was, a, he was a big influence, I guess, in, in all kinds of things. But he also did digest some of the folklore, which is really important for this episode, you know. And um, um, he was like – like the neat stuff was he was kind of the inspiration because he was such an alchemical figure. He was kind of part of the inspiration for Goethe's Faust, you know, like the, like the Faust uh, yeah. story. And, you know, the whole deal with the devil and, you know, that – like that was very Paracelsus. And um, – we did an episode on Paracelsus, and then it's weird, but like years later, I found out he might have been a hermaphrodite. Like some of his ideas. Um, so then, when they, they excavated his his remains, and they found out he had like really, really weirdly wide hips, and uh, there was a couple of references that he wrote about. They were like, "Wait a minute, no, uh, that's actually not normal genitalia, Paracelsus." <laughs> like, wait a minute, um, no, that's not. You know, and and he was like totally asexual. He didn't. Yeah, you know, he had like, just had zero sex drive, and um, you know, he's been analyzed over the years to because you know he's one of the great minds of history. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it turns out like yeah, there's uh, that's it's not a hundred percent 
uh, for sure. But I wouldn't just like I wouldn't call that quackery. Like there's good evidence that he might have been uh, like like hermaphroditic. And oh, yeah, I mean, so, you know, to kind of narrow it down for this episode, I would say like I I thought it was interesting that he would take German myths and legends. So part of it is you take the cat, the classics like medicine, you take the classics like Galen and and, you know, comment on Galen pro or against, um, you know, like the four humors and all that great, you know, that kind of medieval science. But um, he would also take in that same vein, he would take a German myth of like the mandrake or the Alraun in uh, like Austrian middle hydro, you know, uh, it's a homunculus, but, but it's basically like a homunculus found in nature, kind of like there's a miniature person, uh, <laughs> kind of like the idea of an elf or, you know, some mythological creature. Yeah. But oh. Paracelsus, you know, think of that time, like 15, 1600s, when, whenever he was alive. Um, it, 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 there was no Wikipedia or Mythbusters or Snopes. It's just like, if you heard of a story... You didn't want to sound naive and be like, I've never heard of that or that's not true. And then find out, of course, it's true. Rhinoceros really do exist, you know. <laughs> so if you hear something like a mandrake, you don't just want to like say like, oh, that's 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 crazy. That's that's quackery. Okay. So it's weird that Paracelsus, who did seem to have a head on his shoulders, did comment on all kinds of stuff. Um, yeah, including like how to make mandrakes and, you know, just went right along with the, the kind of themes of the time, you totally. know, and that's so, like, that's why we were drawn to him for sure. Just yeah. because he had, so he has so much legitimacy to him. Yep. And I mean, that, we find that with a lot of things in alchemy and in other stories too, where it's like, there'll be some weird, weird story or weird recipe yeah. for something or whatever, but yep. it's or a linked. shadowy figure and we can't actually find another source mm-hmm. to back it up. Yep. That happened a couple times with. Arnold de Villanova oh, yeah. and also oh, yeah. Dr. Borel yeah. from uh, yeah. King Louis XVI. Do you want to ask him about Borel right now? Oh, sure. We can dive right into let's, that. Let's get we're, into that. We were sure. curious. Yeah. So we came across this guy. His name was Dr. Borel. I, I didn't actually come across a first name. Maybe further research would uncover that. But King. basically, he was in the court of King Louis XVI, the Sun King. And so 17th century. Okay. So the story goes, he actually created a little homunculus that was able to shoot red beams of light, which is so stunning. I honestly, I'm not sure I've heard that. Yeah, I'm. I'm trying to think if we've ever even mentioned him, but I'm not. I'm not sure we have. I'm not sure. I'm not sure That's if we have. Crazy. Meaning yeah. heavily on your on your website and podcast oh, yeah. for this episode for for these <laughs> episodes. For yeah, sure. like not everything we've mentioned is on the website, but still, like that doesn't doesn't like like no uh, homunculus that shoots red beams of light doesn't ring a bell. Like I know. Um, yeah, there, there was kind of a mythical aspect or like a magical aspect to him. Like, um, well, one thing that made him interesting for alchemists was even a dead one, I guess, like you put him in a, I think it was like a glass coffin and then you put it under your bed or something like that. And then the next morning there'd be a coin there, which is, I, you yeah, know, creating that. gold from no, kind of like a leprechaun, really. Like yeah, now yeah. you're getting into that sort of <laughs> spectrum of things. Um, but alchemists were like, oh, that's, that sounds like. It's a philosopher's stone itself, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely like magical. kind. Of, well, I mean, the fact that they're in Harry Potter, you know, it's yeah. a magical creature. Like that's the, totally. you know. Um, but yeah, that that really. Uh, so that goes way back, by the way. Uh, there's one thing I want to mention is I don't I don't know if you mentioned it or not was um, the idea of that. The actual. So a root that looks like a human and screams very loudly, like loud enough to kill you, goes back at least to Josephus. We're talking like 70 AD, something like that. Like it's it's a 2000 year old myth from the Middle East. That's like it's not in the Bible or in the Torah or anything, but it is like of that era. Like it's that old. Like Crazy. Ptolemaic, Greek, like Hellenistic world. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, they called it a, um, God, I had it written down somewhere. Uh, uh, a bara, B-A-A-R-A-S, baras, baras, something, something like that, you know. Like maybe don't quote me on exactly the pronunciation, but yeah, there's a plant like that. And then in the Middle Ages, um, sure enough, you know, if you find a carrot or a, um, uh, like a turnip or, you know, a turnip that kind of has like arms or legs or looks like it's a yeah. shriveled person. They had like oh. stick little eyebrows on it, 
I, so you can actually find images of that online. Like I've seen those in museums in Germany that are like, it does look like a little shriveled corpse. And the detail is amazing. Like individual eyebrows, you know, like individual hairs and kind of like giving it some facial hair and kind of making it look like it, you know, has eyes that are shut. Yeah, well, we read that. Like sometimes like, like it's really hard to tell what was what back in the day because people would make yep. like – you know, fakes per se. It's a, you like, guys have a Ripley's Believe It or Not up there, you know? Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> it's kind of like actually, you know, debunking it might spoil the fun. You're like, no, it really is a half alligator, half, you know, half human. You're just like, yeah. you know, I don't want it. You know, if it is real, I don't want to know. Like, it's more fun this way. It's kind of, you know, if it looked weird, it's just like, hey, it's a good conversation piece. Exactly. But apparently they could cost a fortune, you know, like those little turnips with uh, with eyebrows could. Yeah. I mean, set you back a year's salary or something, you know, with the well, belief yeah. that you put it in a glass coffin and, you know, you get a gold coin every morning. Like it's the, you know, yeah, it's it's, it's the goose that lays golden eggs kind of story. Like, yeah. So. Yeah. Well. I mean, these things were, I mean, yeah, like the things we've read. Yeah. Like they, yeah. Put them in a, put them in a glass coffin, possibly get a gold coin. Telling the fortune tellers. Fortune they telling. With them. Mm -hmm. um, that was the Kufstein Jeloni account. Yeah, yeah. That was fascinating. One other, like, I think another thing just on like, yeah, this sort of note, um, whether it's real, unreal, whatever it's the, some of the ingredients we came across. Oh, right. This yeah. was weird, man. Like, yeah. We like stardust, um, dragon's tears, bones, blood, that type of thing. Things that we couldn't necessarily pin down to yeah. something. Like, what are they is talking it? Komodo dragon? Here, yeah, like or are they talking? <laughs> no. Oh, okay. So the tears. Oh, okay, boy. Yeah. Okay. Let me let me think about that. Stardust, uh, like a meteoroid. So like, stardust. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So that. Um, so I think it was even Paracelsus that that called sometimes called homunculus like gallows men or something like there's so i matter was a paracelsus there was definitely not just bodily fluids but like specifically the bodily fluids that would leak out of someone right after they were hung like you kind of you lose control of everything and um that might be and or if there was blood from a decapitation like that would you know you'd rush to below okay. the scaffolds and gather that up and that in turn would be have special powers for uh for homunculus is the arcanum of human blood i came across that several times the arcanum and i'm like what the hell is the arcanum of human blood like Boy, that's that a good question okay so i'll have to admit there's there's hundreds of people on this planet that know have a better so there's you know there's like mercury or like philosophical mercury which you know, and there's hundreds of, of professors on the planet or authors that could tell you have a better idea of like what that could mean because right. they probably don't mean the element mercury like that, you know, um, yeah. like so tears is really interesting. Dragon's tears. I'm not mm -hmm. sure, but tears could often mean um, fr like something like frankincense because it's kind of it was like tree sap oh, okay. and it was really precious and you know and it was you know had this really great smell and you know it was used in like church rites kind of so it's kind of like magical mystical right. and it looks like a tear if you get a big chunk of frankincense now okay dragon's tear like i don't want to tell you but there's dragon's blood which was something ground um yeah. uh stardust use now i remember soul dust also is related to homunculi a certain type, which was a basilisk, which is also in Harry Potter. Uh, right. Um, so Abu Fala, Abu Fala, I don't think he invented it, but Abu Fala definitely wrote down a recipe how to make a basilisk. And <laughs> um, the purpose, okay, so there's, <laughs> the ingredients were weird, uh, which which was your kind of your original question, but a lot of that was like bodily fluids. It, like right. you start mm -hmm. off with hair and you add semen and blood and everything and you put that together and then that the first stage would be like some kind of snake and then you let those grow oh yeah you'd bury it in like horse dung or something and then you let that sit and that would turn into a baby basilisk and you got to kill it um because if you look at if you look in through the straw you know if there's a straw or something if you look in it'll turn you to stone just like in the movie it, you know yeah. harry potter but you got to kill it because the basilisk is just the first step because what you're after is actually um soul dust okay, hmm. okay. now soul <laughs> dust uh that was one thing and then also yeah so if you burned it let's see if you if you smash them and burn them and you got some kind of ashes, that might have been the soul dust. I don't remember. But it wasn't stardust. It was soul dust. And, I, and so first of all, I – okay. So I couldn't tell you. So 
uh, that's clearly like Abu Fala. I don't think he ever tried that in person because I don't think he got anything resembling, you know, living snake. I mean, that's just disgusting. Um, but if he did, because he said he said um, something like the sages say it's valuable. You know, the sages say it has many uses kind of thing. And what? He doesn't say what? He doesn't say like, okay, so this sounds like, oh, it's the, it's the tear of Newt and the, you know, the frogs, whatever. And it sounds like some magical, like, okay, now he's going to get into some crazy witchcraft spell. And he's just, he just stops there. He's like, okay, now you have your soul dust and, you know, put that in your inventory because it's awesome. And, (laughs) you know, go on. What the hell is soul dust? Like, it's like, it's like Ikea instructions or something. It's like, what the hell are you even saying? (laughs) But I mean, oh yeah, I mean that was so. I, I, alchemy is an interesting kind of thing where you, where um, there is the 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 purity of the ingredients going in, and then based on your process and like distilling and everything, the the purity of it coming out. So it's just like okay, there's 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 normal. I don't know, you know, there's normal mercury and there's philosophical mercury that has some special meaning and it's like and it's. Technical. And it's, yeah, and it's hard. The thing is that if you say, oh, it's, it's magical something, it's magical mercury, like their idea of magic is different than what we would think of, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. um, cause magic was just an everyday part of life. Like it wasn't, it totally wasn't strange, but they wouldn't say, in fact, you'd get killed if you said it was magic, you know, cause you know, um, but they were totally superstitious and, and just kind of, there was mysticism everywhere and, you know, this mythical kind of thing. So, um, then you... You add in like there's only four elements, uh, so you know there's um, you have um, I think you mentioned um, Al Hayyan or, or Ibn Ibn Hayyan or something yeah. in the last one, and and he was really big into like categorization, and and he was really like in, in a very modern science kind of thing. Like I have this mineral compound, and it's kind of it does this and this, and it doesn't do you know it has these attributes, and let's categorize it this way. And it's an early kind of periodic table or kind of, you know, chemical um, classification. But honestly, you know, he had no idea about elements or atoms or, you know, so it's uh, I guess that's my that's my long winded way of saying I have no idea what Stardust is like or (laughs) Dragon's Tears like in that specific instance. Um, Dragon could be part of the process because they'd often like in you'd see an allegory. uh, You'd see like the image of of alchemical processes or even like how to make a homunculus. It's like a lot of pictures. It's almost like a comic book, like, like Ikea instructions. And then they might be like, Oh, the green dragon. And that might be like some, um, chemical process of like binding or, you know, com- combination or mixing. And they, and they call it the green dragon. And of course every alchemist knows what that means. Yeah. And every non-alchemist is just has no clue. It's just this um, obscure, obscure phrasing at the time or the, however they want. There it to are kind of- actually, which I wish I would have, you know, I don't know if they started, uh, you know, this is kind of a, a new, thing that I've heard about is that there's definitely um, more so in Europe, like I think Netherlands or something, there's a couple of chemists out there that are are doing like like replicating experiments. And they're like, this is not total quackery, like somebody somewhere sat in a lab. And we know that from the equipment, like there's archaeological yep. research, you know, we know that, oh, there's mercury in a glass and, and they're, yep. they're, you know, right now they're looking at weird compounds in a lab that they found minute amounts of, of in an alchemist lab. And uh, so they know it's not like there were people in a lab and they were doing stuff, but you, yeah. well, with stardust and dragon's tears, what does that mean? You know, um, I came but there's chemists one. that are kind of, you know, reverse engineering it. Like it's, it's yeah. pretty cool. So oh, I love that. I mean, I, I love that stuff. Yeah. What, like what kind of stuff have you heard then? Like what have they recreated that you've, have you heard? That's it, like, a good question. So I know uh, one that I was really interested in was like, I know, cause I know it's a real thing was I love. Uh, Isaac Newton. I love the whole idea of every, like he's known as this physicist and, and calculus and, you know, inventing gravity and, and, um, you know, all these, all these ideas, like world changing ideas. And yet he wrote more on alchemy than he wrote on everything else combined, combined. Like he was, he was first and foremost an alchemist in a time where alchemy was basically dead and already kind of dangerous. Like you could, you know, you could get in trouble with authorities and definitely he could, cause he was in the you know Royal society and all that. Um, but he talked about something called the peacock's tail. And 
So to go real basic terms in, in alchemy, you have like the white phase, the black phase, the red phase, the, you know, um, um, it's like you burn everything, everything to ashes and then you get your elixir and you mix everything, you let, every, let everything ferment for uh, 40 days or whatever until it turns black and then, you know, ashes are white, then it turns black and then, and then eventually red means gold, you know, so eventually it kind of, or, or maybe you're after silver or whatever. Yeah. Um, so there's this one phase that Isaac Newton was, so he was very careful, and there was a lot of quacks, uh, like like charlatans at the time, pretending to be alchemists. And Isaac Newton had a reputation to keep, so he was very, very paranoid and careful about. But on the other hand, he was desperate to try to communicate with other alchemists and swap ideas. So his test was if if an alchemist would say, um, you know, I know not, I, I know what the peacock's tail is. In fact, I've gotten that far. That was Isaac Newton's like line. He'd be like, Oh, okay. Oh, he knows what he's talking about. Like, you know, I know what that is too. <laughs> and so I, I'd be super curious, like, okay, uh, uh, professors, I'm pretty sure like modern chemists, like they, they can get that far. And the, it's basically you let something bubble for a really long time. Um, you know, the typical sulfur and mercury and whatever, um, right. maybe you know, lead kind of thing. And then for a really long time on a consistent heat and eventually it kind of bubbles up into, uh, you know, if you have like oil on water and it turns kind of rainbow, like I imagine it just kind of suddenly go, it just shatters into this crazy colorful thing which Isaac Newton called the peacock's tail. And I'm like, I want to see that. You know, I want to see that. And I, and I think that's no mystery to chemists. Like, they know that, you know, they can get that far. Um, you know, like that, because that's real chemistry. That's not, you know, the next step is, and Isaac Newton never got to the next step, which is make gold. Uh, yeah. But they would, you know, they would have the, this idea of what it would take. And so, you know, they like, oh, I got really close because I followed the, you know, I, I got to the colorful bit. So, <laughs> you know, next would have been it. But then, you know, I couldn't keep the keep the heat or whatever, you know, some okay. excuse, you know, ran out of money. You know, so I came across this really cool uh, one. It was relatively recent. I think it was like 2012. I don't know if you've heard of it. It was a guy by the name of Lawrence Principe, I think from John Hopkins University. And he recreated the philosopher's tree. So it was basically like. Oh, gold yeah. flakes in uh, mercury yeah. I don't know this was added and then yeah same sort of idea like uh heated put in a sand bath and it actually legit grew like a coral a it, piece of coral it, it sprout like. yeah it sprouts and yeah. yeah and and i think he it was kind of i mean i love that kind of story because i think he at some point he just saw it referenced too many times you know from like uh, middle east to you know egypt middle east to whatever and he's like this has to be a thing. This has yeah. to be a thing. Like it's, you know, the Arabic and Greek and Latin description all kind of described. It is not like some, cra you know, lost in translation, crazy thing. Like that really looks like they're describing something they're looking at. And sure enough, you know, like, yeah. Oh, I love that. That one I've seen, pic you know, you can find pictures on on Google and stuff, you yeah. know, like, um, yeah, I'm curious. Like the, 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 there was some professor I read about University of Leiden or somewhere in Netherlands, I'm pretty sure. And he was, um, I, like, I just read about it. So I, I was like, okay, and, you know, or maybe he just even just started. So it's kind of like, okay, now it's when it's getting interest, uh, interesting. Yeah. And um, there was one alchemical, the best alchemical lab um, preserved, you know, with the most fines and the most, like the best preserved, like chemicals in the glasses and the best glassware. So they could kind of get an idea of, um, you know, what, what glass vessels they had. That was only discovered like two or three years ago in Germany. And then, you know, the National Geographic did a thing on it, but I was like, that knowledge didn't exist when we started five years ago. So it's kind of like, it's, you know, it's kind of coming back. Uh, in Prague, we went down underground into a 16th century alchemist lab, which is, they turned it into a museum now. They just discovered it 10 years ago. Um, oh, so cool. And, yeah, like Prague flooded, and then they were, you know, kind of cleaning up the mess, and then they, oh, there's another basement below the basement. <laughs> and, and it had the, firm, the furnace in it. So, like, I got to see all that stuff from the 15-something or 16, you know, 1600s. Oh, and cool. they even had it set up that, you know, they have a uh, bookshelf that opens into a staircase to go down into the, like, they, they, did, it, they did it up right, you know. I'm like, oh, that's so cool. They, they put the alchemical symbols all back into, you know, like, replicated them and stuff. That's like, awesome. yeah, so it's kind of, 
is kind of coming back. Like if you go to the Czech Republic, you can go see Alchemist Lab and stuff. Oh, we plan um, on going to the Czech Republic oh, and making a trip out yeah. there. We definitely got to do. Castle. I'd recommend. I mean, uh, underground tours, Prague. Yeah, if only you were still the there doing tours, you could take us. Right. I, yep, yep. <laughs> I was a ghost tour guide there. I love it. I love it. I yep. <laughs> I cannot recommend it enough. It's just amazing. So, so yeah. Cool. And so I had another question I wanted to ask you. Like, we've got enough. We're wow. still on track with Homunculus, but. George, did you have one, Amber? Oh, I don't know. I was just on the same note. Like, we're talking about modern sort of alchemy. And did you check out those videos we sent you? Like, those weird, the like, YouTube ones where the, there was a Russian guy. He was totally, attempting to create a homunculus. <laughs> I totally forgot it's, to check those out. Yeah, uh-uh, uh-uh. It's, so, it's not, I don't know. It's, it it's was, bizarre. I mean, yeah. it's obviously, it's not. Yeah, I don't know how much I want to comment on. So, I've seen similar things, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, um, like the chicken eggs. Have you seen that guy? Who's I can't remember his name now. He has his own channel, and he was doing experiments using duck and chicken eggs and adding different things to them and yeah. incubating. So, actually, the stuff. Russians were really interested interested in that. Like back in the you know turn of the century, the Russians were really interested in that kind of stuff. Like they were the first ones that were like amputating dog's head and trying to you know like like put. The, I mean, they all yeah. died. Like it's a horrible okay. tragedy, tragic story if you're an animal lover. But they were really into. Um, you know, trying to revive dead animals, like almost like Frankenstein type stuff that Europeans yeah. were doing, you know, a hundred years before that and kind of got over. Russians were into with modern science, like, yeah, um, trying to put two heads on things. And yeah, it was kind of interesting that when everybody else kind of like, it was like, all right, that's, that's weird. Let's go for it. Yeah. But it is funny to see like people like, yeah, modern, modern times, like, you know, like, trying to recreate this and it's kind of gross but it's like super weird because the thing with me is like when i read these you know old recipes and we're looking at these ancient alchemists and stuff like that some not so ancient 17th century whatever but you know they there's a lot of legitimacy to it to what they're doing and there's this idea that there's maybe was some esoteric knowledge that did you know didn't filter through the centuries that maybe existed right that kind of you know, right? There's a lot like, of people that actually do kind of believe that, like, like that think that the alchemists knew something that we now do not know, like we have forgotten over the time. What's your take on that? I'm afraid to say because holy crap, I've gotten a lot of. So I think that's a hundred percent just total BS. Like that's just total crap. And the thing is, I want to be careful because um, I don't want to like smash people's creativity or you know say like, hey, you know what, kids, Santa Claus ain't real. I don't want to be that guy, but honestly, there's just not a shred of evidence. And, you know, there's just, there's just not, if you, if you get into like, not a single serious historian thinks these things. And if you get into like historiography of like what a primary source and a secondary source is, you just realize like, oh my God, there's thousands of stories and there's thousands of secondary sources of eyewitness accounts of seeing something turn into something um, and just zero primary sources because it just didn't happen. And there's just zero shred of actual evidence. Um, And the way science works is you can replicate something in a lab and that, you know, it just it just goes against the foundation of scientific principle. And like, I'm sorry, you know, but but there are so there's people um, because you guys also mentioned like Rosicrucians, and so there's like there's modern day people that would call themselves alchemists, and and Rosicrucians um, might not they might not call themselves alchemists, but you're not a Rosicrucian if you don't have a severe interest in alchemy. Now Ro- Rosicrucians might make the distinction and, and say like some sort of uh, I don't know if they actually call it spiritual alchemy, but they might refer to some sort of like oh actually I'm trying to transmutate my soul into a more pure soul. And yeah. and I don't want to like I don't want to you know uh, uh, like cr- uh, criticize anybody's religious beliefs or you know that kind of thing like absolutely not um, and and I don't like I you know just because science can't prove something doesn't mean it's not there like I don't I can't say that um, but Rosicrucians are it's like modern they're just a branch of modern day um, they used to be their own thing I I suppose. Uh, but they're just a modern day branch of um, Freemasons. And if you're a Freemason and you kind of show an interest in. So when I actually did my Rosicrucian episode, ironically, I had no idea about what I was talking about. <laughs> Since then, I have now I have a, like hundreds of Freemason followers on Twitter. And they've corrected me so many times that with authority, I can say <laughs> for sure that Rosicrucians are, are Freemasons. That if you're if you're a Freemason and you you show an interest in alchemy, then they point you to some of the Rosicrucian 
books. And they kind of, you know, they point you in that direction. And they, you know, they, they put you in touch with other people that, that like alchemy and, and that kind of thing. And um, there's definitely, so even the philosophy of, like the, the Masonic philosophy of things, you're going to see a lot more alchemical symbolism and stuff in, in 2018, you know? For, I mean, they exist today, you know? They're, as I found out, <laughs> hi, guys, <laughs> you know, I mean, they're around. Um, yeah. And... I like and I, what they would have to say on like that third letter that was that 1616 letter of the rosy cross and it was right. to do with the chemical wedding of the the joining of yeah right so that was could be interpreted as the creation of two homunculi right but maybe not it's more of an analogy or like i don't know i, I definitely saw some conflicting accounts about that that's and a good question. Boy, off the top of my head, I'd have to be careful what I said. But yeah, it's definitely, oh, that's a good question. I mean, so the, the, whoever wrote, uh, you know, those, those for, was it the, the three, three letters, original, yeah. was it even the same person that wrote the first three? I'm not sure. Maybe they're not sure, but supposedly, <laughs> yes. I mean, according to legend, yes. Um, but they clearly were very adept at like alchemical language and, and concepts and all that kind of thing, um, which the alchemical concepts was... Uh, yeah, if you talk about, you know, it's a chemical mixture. It's like hydrogen and oxygen, you know, creates water. And um, um, it's just a normal chemical process that you'd find in a chemist chemistry textbooks. However, yeah, then you add some kind of mystical, you say, oh, the king and the, you know, the red king and the white queen and the, you know, and, and the, the royal union. And you're just like, I, are you sure it's, are we still talking about water, you know? Um, but, but yeah. We didn't even know until relatively recently that we actually have like the alchemists, um, the Azoth like um, symbol thing. We have like a poster of it from. Oh yeah, I didn't yeah. know what it was like until recently. It's pretty funny. Like, yeah, <laughs> now now it's kind of like yes. Yeah, now you kind of see references that you just didn't get before. You're like, oh hey, I you know that symbol or or that yeah. Re -re like rewatching Harry Potter, I'm like, oh, the yeah, Crystal Mel, oh yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. But did you have, what, what else did you have here? Gosh, um, I don't know. That kind of wraps up for like formal, like. I mean, if you had to kind of like, did I mean, I, yeah, I wonder if I have any. Let me let me see. Um, oh, there is homunculus and like Full Metal Alchemist, Full Metal Alchemists and such. Like there is, the legend is still alive and kicking. You know, it has to do with alchemy. Um, there was another idea which. Again, it's kind of weird, but but the idea of like when they used to think about what was it called? A yeah, so an animalculus, an animalcule, oh, yeah, yeah. animalcule the, yeah. the theory of preformationism. Did you guys talk about that? Like uh, everything I on it really briefly. Yeah, like, like all people are basically already fully formed yeah. as see like within the semen, actually yeah. in their father's testicles, and <laughs> and then someone was like, wait a minute. Does that mean that then the grandchildren are in the semen of the semen and the great, and then, you know, so there's a theory, you know, so there's like, yeah, it's just, you know, there's an, there's this ad absurdum, like fallacy is like, well, there's what there's like every, all future generations are already fully formed all the way down. Like it, you know, it just, you know, so yeah, like the logic breaks down at some point, but that, was that was debated. Creationism and how like, it kind of makes sense from that standpoint if every human being was inside the sperm of Adam, say, at that yeah. point. Because, yeah, so it's it like destiny. It's like, like fate. Oh, that actually yeah. makes sense in a sense. Like, you know? Yep. Like, I don't know how much I... <laughs> if they don't have a better... You know, even science is like, well, we have a hypothesis. We have a theory. You know, let's test it. And and then when you have better evidence, something else comes along. And uh, I like to say that alchemists were not stupid. Mm -hmm. I, I, they weren't even naive. Like we look at them and say, "Oh my God, that's that's really primitive," or that you know, that's short sighted. Yeah. But they, they were really weren't. Though, really. They, they were, were super bright. They just yeah. had yeah. false premises, and you know, but did, they did further science. I mean, that's a fact. Um, yeah, I don't know about if you can talk about that in the homunculus episode. That's maybe a hard sell. But alchemists in general created dyes and glassware, <laughs> and trying to do like we were trying to know, like. Kind of prop it up with some yeah, other albums. Like, like we talked about Gay Hong a little bit and some of the things that he yep, kind of came up yep, with way like, back in the day. Yeah, he invented so, tin foil and yeah, into gunpowder and, and Aristotle and yeah. you know, try to legitimize that. Tossed in some Play Doh a little bit. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, yeah, because actually that makes sense. Like the theories, you know, when they were putting sperm between two plates um, and fermenting it for 40 days in cow dung, like they were going back to Aristotle. Um 
Yeah. Actually, so they were going off of empirical evidence. You know, like, you can't really blame them. You got meat, it rots, suddenly there's a fly. Well, where'd the fly come from? The fly yeah. spawns from rotten meat. Spontaneous uh, generation. Putrid yeah. semen clearly creates tiny bees. I mean, you know, like, if you, you <laughs> take a little bit of, um, the you know. The jump, there you are. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, a farmer plants something in the ground, and a couple months later, there's there's fully formed wheat with, like, you know, grains, and, like, that's, you know, that's transmutation in a way, you know, you take almost nothing and um, you grow some, their idea of the philosopher's stone was very similar to like homunculus, which is like you grow it slowly over time. It was very much uh, like kind of like a living being. You, the, the idea of the furnace was a womb in many ways. So right. um, I, I like, it's kind of, I think people might get lost when you say homunculus, like that's just this weird thing. And what did turnips have to do with that? Or, you know, some, or mandrake roots, but um, really it's that same idea of uh, creating artificial period, you know, creating artificial life, creating artificial um, gold, creating um, even the elixir of life was, you know, one and the same um, uh, kind of often philosopher's stone and elixir of life, like the elixir of life might be potable gold, which, right. you know, which is then you need the elixir of life, uh, the philosopher's stone to create. So it's like the totally, the, it is literally the same thing. And then it's kind of like, so then it's not hard to, to understand that. Oh, okay. So if you're um, thinking of, of uh, even middle, uh, both Chinese and middle Eastern often thought of it as like medicinal. So then it's like not a, leap and a, and a skip to thing like okay immortality like elixir of life but also medicinal yeah. and then okay artificial life i think it was arnold of villanova that said i know how to do it but i would not dare insult god like that you know like i would not dare also create life and you know put myself on his equal footing and so he's like i'm you know like i'm too pious of a man to you know uh, that's, a, that's, I, uh, a, that's an easy way of not it's a good one yeah yeah well, hey, there. <laughs> I, I story went and I couldn't confirm from him was that he accidentally poured his elixir of life into a hollowed pumpkin and that a homunculus grew out of it. Oh, so <laughs> oh, that could be that he accidentally created a Yeah, okay. Accidentally. Yeah. Whoops. Yeah. So like I did it that one time when I dropped some elixir of life, but I would never purposefully. <laughs> yeah. So I, I have done it and I am capable, but I would never. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't dare. I'm too humble to do it on command. Yeah. In front of the emperor, you know, uh huh. Uh huh. Right. Um, well, anyway, um, I think that pretty much wraps up our questions that we had yeah. for you, Travis. Um, if you had anything else to add or any little, I don't know. Yeah. If you've got any extra little tidbits of wisdom. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on. Let me, let me just see one thing. If there's a, sure. uh, Oh, Frankenstein's a great one, but that's that was more like bringing people back from the dead than creating artificial life. But that, yeah, there is that. We, we actually do. We 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 are going to touch on that a little bit. Yeah. But um, we already touched on our blog, actually. Yeah, there's time. that connection between yeah, art, yeah, artificial life and bringing people back from the dead. Like, yeah. you know, can you do? Yeah, is it you know, is it the same process? Yeah, definitely parallels. Yeah, for sure. But anyway, thank you so much for being on the show, and if you're okay with it. Uh, We'd love to reach out to you again for some more sure. alchemical knowledge. That would be fantastic. <laughs> Kooky ideas. Always, I always love to uh, yeah tackle the weird ones. Yeah, obviously. No, I was kind of like you guys where when I started this one, I was like ah, homunculus. You know, let me crack. Let me crack Wikipedia. See what's there. And then yeah. like two months later, and three books that I'm later, I'm like, oh my god, this is crazy. This is like two thousand years of history and. You know, and it's, you know, we thought it was going to be a one, like a one part, like just one episode and then just instantly turned into two parts because we were like, oh, oh yeah. my gosh, like there's way too much information on this to even like it. Was, and it's yeah. weird. And, you know, at some point you're like, boy, I've never heard of any of this. Like, I bet nobody else has either. Like, this is great. So, oh, yeah, that's a, that's a good one. <laughs> sure. yeah. So right. are, so are you guys going to try to um, create an artificial human now? Is that a... <laughs> She was list. joking about it. She's like, "Yeah, let's try to make a homunculus." And I was like, "Literally, if we, if, if that's, yeah, no, probably we not." A lot of horse <laughs> yeah, we, we. Like, I totally would if I had a horse, but sorry, sorry. Yeah. yeah, that's the part that's holding us back is not having the horse. Yeah. Well, yeah. All right. Wait, are you guys still recording? Uh, we are still recording, but I'm just gonna just we'll do a quick sign off here and then. Okay, so, yeah. I'll tell you a story, but not but not on the record. So okay, okay. <laughs> All right. Well, that was super fun. Totally. 
Travis is uh, definitely more knowledgeable than us. When yeah, a great to supplement to our sort of uh, rudimentary knowledge. Very much so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we kind of just, I mean, we take a, a cursory glance at a lot of these things, so it's nice to bring in an expert. Indeed. So yeah, I mean, what was your main takeaway from that? Oh gosh, well, there were so many, really. I thought it was super fascinating, um, his sort of take on Paracelsus mm-hmm. um, and his influence on alchemy and just the idea of, yeah, like we said before, a pre and post Paracelsus era. Right. Of pre-modern whatever chemistry alchemy, yeah. Um, the idea also of him being a potential hermaphrodite, yeah, that was interesting. That was really interesting. It just made me think that perhaps he would have had a completely different perspective on human biology and the limits of that, and perhaps maybe it just sort of allowed him to. Um, I don't even know. Be more. Yeah, it definitely would have framed things differently in the world right? that he was existing in for sure. Yeah. If indeed he was a hermaphrodite, he would have been. Yeah, you'd, you know, because he was a scientist and an alchemist and, and doing all this research. Yeah, you'd think that that would have maybe been... And all lent. of the surgeries he performed, too. He obviously would have seen yeah. the biology and the physiology of the people he yeah. was working on. So that just raised many, many more questions, possibly, in, in his pursuit of knowledge in alchemy and in, in science in general. Yeah, so I thought that was really cool. What about you? What did you take away? Well, I think my main takeaway was... Uh, you know, it's kind of a pop in my balloon a little bit, but it's mm-hmm. I, I have to tend to agree. The idea that esoteric knowledge, this that ancient knowledge could have existed but not trickled through the millennia and through the centuries. Mm-hmm. How Travis thought that that that's, you know, there's not a lot of legitimacy to that. It's a lot of wishful thinking. A lot of wishful perhaps. thinking. And when you're in our line of research that, uh, you know, I'm always hoping for uh, strange things to be true. But I have to tend to agree with Travis, especially in... Uh, in regards to the homunculus, uh, but I but I still think that in other aspects of alchemy and obviously some of the other things we'll get into that I mean obviously not everything's explained right I do believe in esoteric knowledge but I thought that was an interesting point he made in regards to the or homunculus. even if you want to go a level deeper maybe not esoteric knowledge but almost like a, a not a secret phraseology but a not a code either but he did kind of touch on that right the idea yeah. that there were um, terms that were known only to alchemists and how like even some of these ingredients that we question him about like the stardust and the soul dust and the dragon's tears how those really could have been like he hypothesized perhaps dragon's tears could be frankincense because it is resin from a tree and it does have that sort of shaped like a tear yeah which totally makes sense but like maybe a lot of these sort of like more um i don't even know like just the the phrases that we're not familiar with or can't really explain maybe they're just yeah, like the terms rit- for other things that we totally. are familiar with at this point, but you know. Well, that's sort of what we were thinking, right? Like we were speculating on that a little bit. Like, oh yeah, is dragon's teeth actually like literal uh, kimono dragon uh, teeth from the Far East that they're f- trading for or something weird like that? But yeah, no, it's interesting. It's almost like a lot of this stuff is written <laughs> as if it's like spells and things like that. Yeah, for the purpose of keeping it sort of secretive. Yeah, for sure. But I know I thought that was interesting. And then the soul dust and the link to the story of the The basilisk. Yeah, that was really cool. That was fascinating because the way that he explained it, it almost was parallel to the creation of a homunculus. Yeah. Right? Because he described all the same elements basically going into a vessel and then being buried underground. And then you wait for something to form, in this case, a baby snake. Yeah. And then from that. How many Harry Potter uh, connections are we going to have in this episode? And the Mandrake, like, that's (laughs) awesome, man. Yeah, that was cool, too, because, yeah, like, the idea that Paracelsus was obviously this this scientist and he was, uh, you know, he had, he had a lot of legitimate experiments and stuff, but that he was also really fascinated with German mythology and the mm-hmm. idea of the mandrake. And that yes. is so similar to the homunculus in the sense that like, it is this miniature, like the way that, you know, and we, we've gardened before, like Travis talked about, yeah, like you'd pull out a carrot out of the <laughs> ground and it's got, up or yeah, and it's got arms and legs and you see rutabagas that kind of look like weird sort of like yeah, and fetal type things. In yeah, the, even and the people would think that this is like, you know, at the time, people would think that this is some strange version of that. And they would, yeah. that's that's kind of neat, right? Like they would doctor it up, put eyebrows and eyelashes and make things look <laughs> like really, like actually like little creatures, you know? Little people. People were kind of obsessed with that back in the day. But I mean, yeah, that makes, it makes sense in terms of like the animalcules too. And within and, their framework, yeah. With, and, oh yeah. Right? Like the, the idea that like you start with a seed, you plant the seed mm-hmm. and you get 
you get something out of that, right? You get the fully formed thing that already exists within inside. The seed. Mm-hmm. So in the sen- in some sense, it's almost like that's a very early, very rudimentary like understanding of DNA. Like mm-hmm. they don't they didn't understand it, but it's along those same lines. Like you know, the DNA is inside of uh, the seed or in sperm or whatever. And yeah, so this is kind of interesting. Very Definitely interesting. along the the right track, sort of, sort for of understanding some of these things. Getting there, but. Uh, and that's yeah, really no. cool, right? Because even how he said, he pointed to um, the Haiyan, um, that guy that we discussed in part one. Mm-hmm. Um, can't remember his first name now. Anyways, then he had that um, classification system that kind of resembled an early, early periodic table. Yeah. But he was only working with four elements. So it's like that, <laughs> to me, that encapsulates the whole effort, right? Because yeah. they're just working with not the same set of tools, right? Yeah. It's like, how, yeah, exactly. That's, Yeah, not the same set of tools. And I feel like, yeah, like this transitionary period that we're looking at for a lot of these alchemists, like the Paracelsus and things like that, you know, they're not, you know, they didn't exist 500 BC or whatever, like, Mm -hmm. right. But there's, there's, there's more baggage for like what they're doing. And there's more like, I still think there's more consequence and there's just like open of a world. Like, yeah, it was a different world. So, I mean, it's, it's sort of interesting to like even his point about Isaac Newton, right? Yeah. The lengths he had to go to, to just keep his involvement with alchemy secret. Low key. Yeah. Very fascinating though. Very cool. So yeah, no, those high stakes. (laughs) Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. No, and I obviously fell into disrepute in the, in the 18th century and, and it's we we've seen a resurgence of it though. I mean, Travis made that comment. Uh, I, yeah. I think well after we stopped recording, just that like he has had people <laughs> reach out to him on forums and say we've we know we've how to create this or we've created seen, created this, yeah. and, and he's like that's cool. How'd you do it? And of course, nobody ever says like, because nope. it's a secret. Yep, secret um, organization. So those darn Freemasons. I yeah, mean. I know, right? Just uh, <laughs> just post it on Instagram. Show us how. <laughs> No, but no, that, that interview was awesome. It definitely contextualized a lot of, a lot for me. Definitely. And it kind of, thank you, Travis. Yeah. Thanks. Travis. Definitely grounded me on the idea that, uh, yeah, probably, probably not going to see any actual homunculus in, uh, in our (laughs) lifetime, but you never know. You never know. So yeah, I mean, I've got some other, I got a few other thoughts here. Yeah, well, we could just kind of wrap this up uh, having a concluding sort of discussion on our own theories and ideas about the monkey. Absolutely. So what um, are you thinking? We're coming down to the end of this part two. Yeah. I mean, it's been a kind of an interesting ride here researching the monkey. It's been a roller coaster, that's for sure. A like, little bit. Definitely have gone down some paths I didn't expect with this. Definitely. Um, but it's really cool. Like, I, yeah, I'm glad we decided to do this. It's I, definitely out of our, you know... Regular. It's a well, yeah. It, this is one of the weirder things that we've looked into, yeah. like even, not just for the show, but just in general. Mm-hmm. But I think one of the cool connections to this for me, I guess, is, I mean, just the in general, the idea of creating artificial life, and we see yes. that modern times in a whole mm-hmm. bunch of different ways, right? Like with cloning, and you know, like we're growing organs in petri dishes for to replace yeah. people's defunctional ones, right? Stem cell research, stem and cell research, even so, just growing hamburgers in petri dishes, we're growing. We're growing organic, like flesh, and like yeah, and, and like out of nothing. It's in like, the sense it's like it's kind of like spontaneous generation in the sense is, that like yeah. alchemists back in the day would look at something and see it as that as spontaneous generation. Yeah, and that's really interesting. But I think even just to backtrack a t- like a tiny bit, yeah, it's sort of interesting. You know, obviously, like I said in the intro, 18th century alchemy starts to fall into disrepute, but then later in the 19th century. You know, we start seeing these in popular culture. We've got books like Frankenstein, Dr. Yep. Moreau, mm-hmm. things like that. And people are becoming a little bit disillusioned between, you know, the church and, you know, I, you know yeah, what they're seeing the in the material world, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's really interesting because, you know, Frankenstein characters. I mean, obviously, we did the blog post yeah. comparing the homunculus and Frankenstein. The if you guys haven't had a chance, uh, you can go on the website, uh, intertheportal.com, and check that out. But... Yeah, it's interesting because it's the same idea, creating life from dead matter. Right. Basically. Yeah. And and the fact that this was really rubbing people the wrong way. You know what I mean? It, yeah, it's definitely, there is some parallels. You do need similar, um, well, yeah, similar solutions, I guess, like similar processes, I guess I would say. Yeah. Including, yeah, the, the idea of having a requirement of an organic solution an incubator and an energy source for both of these right with frankenstein it was electricity with the homunculus it was heat and also in some cases paracelsus describes this idea of having the right magnetization 
Yeah. So again, that's that's an interesting little side. That note. makes me think like could it even tie into possibly like where you're trying to do these experiments? Like where are they located exactly. in terms of like geomagnetic? Yeah, you know, we're getting into yeah. all we're going down the rabbit hole. Oh, but like God, yeah. you know, there's like there's so many kind of ways you could like go into research and try to make arguments for the for for any of this. Yeah. But the idea of comparing the two, right, like Frankenstein and the homunculi is very interesting because you do have these similar elements of conception, yeah. but then you get completely divergent um, perceptions of the creatures as a result, yeah. right? Yeah, definitely different. One is revered, one is loathed feared. and hated yeah. and feared yeah, yeah, and rejected. Right. Well, the other one is, is sought after and, and want, like, you know, yeah, people strive to attain it. And, and yeah. it's been described by various people as... The, the greatest happiness will bestow that of the creator of a homunculus. So right, yeah. And, just, well, and of course, they were used supposedly for uh, predicting the future and for doing all these things. Or exactly. you would put them, like Travis said, like, uh, you know, put one in a, in a glass coffin and, and, and put it in a special <laughs> special place. And the next morning, you'll have a gold coin or whatever, right? Very And those are sort of the more folklore-specific aspects of the story. But yeah, it's it's different. It's definitely contrasts Frankenstein in, the, in that sense. And then it also makes me think about, you know, the, the Dr. Moreau, like just the same era as Frankenstein and the idea of like manipulating humans right the idea of of creating something that wasn't something before like taking an animal and and vivisecting them into a human hybrid yeah you know and just bizarre but people were so fascinated with this at the turn of the century and And even with just automata in general you know like you could almost like I wonder if people tried to create homunculi using mechanical parts and trying to pass it off as an organic thing you know like even there was that famous case of the what was it the um, poker player and he played oh was it the king of france or some king somewhere and he was just choked that this guy beat him at the game but then it turned out that it was just a mechanical figure and it was controlled by someone on the inside interesting so but he he thought it was like a smart automata that could actually oh no it was chess it wasn't poker sorry poker (laughs) what am i saying here but yeah, no, all these things, right? Like artificial, artificially created life forms. Yeah. Um, androids and even like, well, yeah, just. Yeah, it ties into modern times for, for that type of stuff too. Well, like, yeah. yeah. The idea, I mean, we've read books. I mean, we took a few classes on post-humanism and like the idea of like cyborgs and things like that. Like this all kind mm. of ties into that sort of the idea of blending, you know. Blending the natural with the unnatural. Yeah. And, the um, real with the artificial. The real, yeah. That may be. And that was a huge part of Frankenstein, right? Where he was rejected because he sort of crossed those lines, those boundaries mm-hmm. between the natural and the unnatural and the, yeah. the life and death because he was made from grotesque, inanimate, dead corpses yeah. and things like that. So. But it's also, it's, I feel like it was just like for the, obviously it's just but, a story. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. no, yeah. I just, sorry, I just had a thought on my head. The idea that, yeah, like even how Paracelsus, he would take... He he called the um, homunculi that he made um, gallows men because yeah. he took he took the the dead the, the death juices from the people and then used that to create new life. So in a sense, yeah. those are kind of equitable, right? Like, I, I I would say so. Anyways, yeah, so yeah. rich. <laughs> oh no, I was just gonna say it's interesting. Obviously, Frankenstein's just a story, <laughs> but it, yeah, like people feared him and comparatively to the homunculi, but it was also like this you know big tall ugly creature yeah. it's like if dr frankenstein decided to just use like a quarter of the amount of dead parts and you ended up with like a two foot tall frankenstein oh maybe things Imagine wouldn't have been the same Ooh. right that would be even freer though you know, so it's like that. the physical perception is like different than the yeah. homunculi in that sense it's like you, you, when you see something small you think like fairy pixie exactly things like that and harmless and controllable yeah controllable yeah mm-hmm. totally so that, that's those are the fundamental differences for me there but i mean yeah, we also talked to Travis a little bit about like we we brought up brought up some modern alchemy stuff like that uh, Lawrence Principe from John John Hopkins the, the right. philosopher's tree and he had obviously like taken a look at that and you guys can see that on Google you can go- mm-hmm. check that out. But we can include that in our show. There's so well. many things like that have been taken from 17th century alchemy, alchemy texts that have been recreated, not homunculi obviously, mm-hmm. but you know more uh, simple chemical reactions or however you want to describe it but i thought that was really interesting because obviously modern day for the most part alchemy is looked down on same as it was in the in the 18th century right yeah but there's so many connections other things i mean we touched on a little bit and i think in part one on the idea of the golem and the jewish golem and right you know a creature created from clay mm-hmm. um, and that's very interesting too because that it, to me, at least, the golem is created with a completely different purpose than that of the homunculus. Right. 
where the golem is more of a servant or a protector. Yeah. And the homunculus is sort of a, a giver of wisdom. Right. And, um, yeah. yeah, golems, I don't even think talk. Like, no. as far as the folklore goes for, for, uh, for them, you put a message in their mouth... Right. And they will carry out. And it's it's in the, it's in Hebrew, right? Yeah, Probably. yeah, you write it in. So that is another parallel, right? Because in the um, Kufstein and Jeloni account of their homunculi, what they would do, especially with the two, in particular, the two spirits, the red spirit and the blue spirit, mm-hmm. that weren't really formed into things, but they were just like these this essences in the bottle. And what they would do is they would rap on the, um, the seal of the jar and speak in Hebrew. Um, some right. Kabbalistic um, incantation, and then that's yeah. they would form into these faces, and right. one was very angelic, and the other was very demonic. Yeah, it was very interesting. Way very that, interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and that obviously, yeah, it comes from that occult philosophy from the Kabbalah, mm-hmm. and it's yeah, occult girl. philosophy, esoteric knowledge linked to occult philosophy. It's all, it's all linked. <laughs> it's all linked. It's super fascinating. Everything's connected. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I, I guess we're gonna wrap this up. I guess so. Yeah. I think ultimately uh, we we're, we're not going to attempt to create a homunculus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. But we, this has been really fun researching this one, and uh, it has been. I think we'll dip our toes. It's into been a one. trip. It's That's been a trip for sure. Definitely a trip. Yeah. But we'll we'll dip our toes into the world of alchemy again. Oh, definitely. definitely. Yeah, we got to collaborate with Travis. Might Bain be a too. slightly uh, less disgusting aspect of alchemy, maybe. But uh, like he said yeah. too, there's been some alchemy labs, some of the oldest ones that have now been recently discovered Ooh. in Germany and stuff like that. So who knows what can, is going to come out of uh, Ooh, yeah. any, that would any be of this cool research. to cover. Yeah, we should we'll, look into that. We'll some follow more. up on that for sure. Mm-hmm. So thanks so much for listening to uh, part two of the lore of the homunculus on Into the Portal, and we'll see you guys next time. Bye.